Welcome to the Waybox podcast. We'll be chatting to some of the most influential people in the UK health and fitness industry, finding out a little bit more about the people behind the profiles. So whether you're on the treadmill, commuting to work, or simply chilling at home, we hope you enjoy listening. And welcome back to the Waybox podcast. Just want to say a massive thank you for your feedback on our 10th episode, which was talking all things business with Ben. Are you happy with it, Ben? Yeah, I was really pleased. Got loads of good feedback. Yeah, so if you do have any feedback on previous episodes or this episode, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us on at way underscore box or at tally rye because we love your feedback. But today we have a bit of a different guest. Um, we're not going to talk about business with Ben. <laughs> we are going to talk to an incredible woman. This lady is passionate about helping women transform the way they feel about food and their body through public speaking, as a coach, and through her books. We have the goddess that is Mel Wells with us today. Welcome. Welcome, Mel. <laughs> what an introduction. Thank you so much for having me. Did I me. do you justice? Was that okay? I mean, I'm a little bit overwhelmed right now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, it's it's all true. You've done so much and I know you've been kind of on this journey for a while, but this podcast today is really just a chance for us to get to know you, your journey, a bit more in depth. So we're just going to get straight into it, really. That's cool with yeah, you. Yeah, let's go for it. Where are you originally from? Because you do have an accent, don't you? You do? <laughs> I don't really know what my accent is. I'm from Coventry in the Midlands. Mm. Um, moved around a lot, been in Liverpool for a while, the States quite a lot, London, so... Bali. Bali, oh yeah, Bali. Does Bali have an accent? <laughs> well, you're surrounded by a lot of Australians, actually. Yeah, that's so true. So, definitely... Where's your favourite place out of all of those? Oh, Bali. Liv- uh, Bali or LA, I would say. <laughs> Liverpool, yeah. yeah. Um, Bali or LA, oh, I love them both. Do you think they're completely different lifestyles, though? Yeah, but I'm a bit of both, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You've got, like, the free spirit of Bali and then the, like, mm. the, I don't know, it's kind of like the intensity of LA, isn't it? Yeah, I definitely relate to the kind of free spirit, hippie girl, island life, wandering mm. around with bare feet. I might say bare feet, then, <laughs> Crystals, and then I also relate to, like, materialism and, like, <laughs> champagne lifestyle. <laughs> I'm about both. Best basically. of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. Best of both worlds. I like that. So you're originally from Coventry. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like growing up? What was your experience? My relationship with Coventry was always kind of like, why do people want to stay here their whole lives? Look, at mm. there's a whole world out there. So I was itching to leave pretty much my whole childhood um, mm. and used to kind of just dream of you know moving to London was like the big kind of dream but my parents were super supportive of everything that I did so I always had like a strong belief that I could do what I wanted with my life they both worked for themselves they both kind of showed me that I didn't have to follow the societal norm or kind of tick boxes or you know get a job or go to uni and get a degree like I pretty much I worked really hard at school, um, got really good grades and then left as soon as I could at 16 and um, ran off to performing arts school, basically. Yeah, so you were an actress in a former life, really. Yeah, I'm actually getting back into it now, Mm. which is just making me so unbelievably happy. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, so yeah, I went off to performing arts college at 16 to follow my dreams of becoming an actress. How long were you there for? Um, two years, so that was like 16 to 18. And what was that like? Because I've been to Mm. drama school as well, and it can be really intense. Yeah, so that was kind of where things went a little bit downhill for me at that college. Um, Just all of the kind of competitive nature of the industry and like 
girls uh, suddenly was just felt like girls just became really bitchy in the performing arts industry mm. and it wasn't what I was used to at school I was so happy at school and then kind of got more into this um, environment and just felt like everyone around me was just ripping themselves apart they the- pit girls against each other as well don't they because it's mm. kind of every person for themselves in completely and like your appearance is everything yes. like you're spending eight hours a day in front of the mirror looking mm. for flaws like my all of the teachers were like perfection discipline like it was really harsh um were you doing like singing dancing acting or were you just doing straight acting so i actually start i think the course i enrolled for was musical theater mm. but then i actually quit after one term and changed to just the acting because I Mm. wanted to kind of go a bit deeper into the acting and that was what I was becoming really passionate about. Yeah, I really struggled there and it was also at the same time, you know, it wasn't, you know, our culture wasn't how it is now which is, you know, really empowering women and sisterhood and self-love. In fact, it was size zero, it was the lollipop head phase, it was glamorising, eating disorders, thigh mm. gaps and I just got completely sucked into it and, you know, I'd never had a weight problem but I was an absolute classic type A, high achiever, perfectionist in everything that I did. And so when I kind of started dieting because everyone else was doing it, Mm. and then I just had to be the best at it, which led me into an eating disorder. So when you had that kind of started that bad relationship with food, that was kind of the beginning of quite a period in your life, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, that started like, that was the beginning of like a seven year. And wow, so that was at like 17? Um, Yeah, 16, 16, 17, 17. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so you were at that college, but then you got your first job. Yeah, so so basically, you know, I started out going back to the eating. That was when I was like um, really restrictive and like lost a lot of weight very fast. Mm. Completely isolated myself. Like, how did your college react to that? To be honest, everyone was doing it. Didn't yeah. even say anything. Didn't basically. bat an eyelid. Yeah. It was kind like, of the norm. They, they, was they, it, is it in people... any way? Is it kind of encouraged? Sort of. I was about to say. Mm. Mm, I say from my experience it's not overtly encouraged but when that's all you've known from your experience and a lot of the teachers will have gone through that same experience and there's probably undertones of that in the language and the culture and the atmosphere it was really strange it was almost like a. it almost felt cool Mm. weird right yeah but it almost felt like um I, I didn't feel like I was doing something bad I felt like I was doing something that was going to benefit me and my mm, career mm. I felt like I was winning it was like the sacrifice you had to make to kind of get where yeah. you wanted to be yeah it's such a such a strange world. weird little industry yeah. <laughs> yeah it really is but that industry is put on such a pedestal because we have like celebrity culture and that kind of stuff just sort of yeah. going off on a tangent that I think that's why it makes that so influential on the way you know probably we grew up and what mm. we've seen and TV and magazines and stuff like it's yeah I also remember because I got my first acting agent when I was 15 so already at that time I was also going down to London for auditions and mm. doing that kind of thing and I lived in fear of this this agent that I had I felt like he was this kind of god and um when I joined his books he said to me I've always been tall right I'm 5'10 and I was 5'10 when I was 15 as well and I remember I <laughs> had this meeting with him and he signed me up and he said how tall are you? And I was like, 5'10". And he was like, um, yeah, I think the perfect height for a film actress is 5'4". <laughs> and I was like, what? oh my God, devastated. I was crushed. I'll just go home and chop these feet off, I? was I? literally, yeah. <laughs> that's how 
that's how matter of fact it is. Like that's yeah. how black and white people can think because if you just don't fit their box, you don't fit their box. Exactly. So I already felt at a massive disadvantage because mm. of my height. And I guess subconsciously I was like, well, I've got to shrink as, as best I can there. And did you feel, for me personally, I turned to controlling food and exercise because that's the one thing I could control mm. in a really subjective industry. Did that feel the same for you? Absolutely. I mean, you go to these auditions and you don't feel like any of it is in your power. And mm. I was used to, you know, working really hard and then getting good grades. Like, if I work hard, I will get great results. But with the performing arts industry, you can work your ass off, you can be so talented. And if you don't get that lucky break, that there's nothing you can do about it. It's yeah. not in your control. So, so you're true. not the determinator of your own success most of the time. You know, you'll spend a lot of the time waiting for phone calls, you know, get, get a lot of rejection and it's mm. nothing to do with oh, you know, your personal. abilities, it's mm. not personal at all um, but often it's, you know the face doesn't fit, you don't have the right mm. look, you're too tall, yeah. you're not this enough, you're not that enough, so it's like you really develop a strong skin mm. in um, a strong skin, a strong spine and a thick skin <laughs> but also strong skin. It's probably like that in a lot of industries but none that's so specific as that where it's all based on appearance mm. like if your face doesn't fit a company or or a sports team they wouldn't say oh it's because of this reason mm. whereas that industry it seems like it's, yeah, it's specifically because of this sometimes mm. if you're like going into theater especially like a west end show for example if you don't physically fit the costumes that they already have made then you won't get the job mm. you need to be wow. the same size to fit the costumes because they don't mm. want to make them again it's crazy yeah. and the thing is you you've got to like when you're auditioning the writer or the director like they have an image in they their have their head. vision they have this vision mm. and you're trying to read them and you you just can't mm. <laughs> yeah so so tough it's so hard but you did get your lucky break and you got a job yes. in Hollyoaks yeah that and was that was your first like big job yeah, it's quite it was. intense. Well, a job that I did during college was um, a BBC drama with Julie Walters, which was just like a dream mm. because I actually got to like meet her and oh, just she's learn. She's going to be her. lovely, isn't she's she? In, oh, she's incredible. But that was only like a couple of days of filming, and then yeah, Hollyoaks was kind of. I pretty much left college and got that straight away. And, you know, it wasn't that like an easy thing. I had actually auditioned for it a couple of years ago for a different part and it was a no. And then they kind of called me back for this one. So, yeah, I got that and I was going to go to drama school at 18 because that was like mm. college that I was at. So I was auditioning for all these drama schools. I got into a couple of places and I was literally... I'd like written the letter to I think it was Mountview that I was saying yes to I'd like written back saying yes I accept my place and then I got the part in Hollyoaks literally a few days later and wow. so I, I said well I'll defer the place to next year and that never happened because I just yeah. stayed at the soap for a couple of years yeah so, um, and yeah. I was reading online you was talking about your experience when you were at Hollyoaks and the pressures you felt that mm. came with that so you'd experienced the pressure in that kind of smaller scale environment at drama school but Hollyoaks amplified those kind of eating disorder behaviours for you and those kind of thoughts yeah it's Which a is- strange environment right because it was such an amazing opportunity and I'm really grateful for for what it gave me but I mean as an 18 year old going into that environment you just I just wasn't equipped for mm. for what it was and especially like living in Liverpool which is where it's filmed I don't know, like, I guess I experienced on a really small level what it is like to have a recognisable face Mm. and go out. Like, you would go shopping and people would, like, grab at you and, like, take pictures of you at restaurants while you're trying to eat with someone or if you're on a date with someone. It's just, like, I mean, some of the actors there deal with it really well, 
But for me at 18, I felt like a rabbit in headlights. And it made me, I just was so paranoid and like already had an eating disorder. So it just made it tons worse. But Mm. I actually swung the other way then. So a weird thing happened was at college, as I said, I was like really restrictive. And then as soon as I moved my life up to Liverpool, I was living alone. I was in this flat by myself. I suddenly was like being paid quite well to act and going to all these parties, these like free food and free champagne and all this kind of stuff and the glamorous stuff the glamorous stuff and I went completely the other way and went into like extreme binging like and it was literally like I'd not seen food in years and it was just chaos gained a lot of weight very quickly and then that's when I became bulimic and it kind of swung into a different kind of eating disorder became obsessed with the gym it was just awful when I look back I think gosh what a waste because I truthfully when I was at that job I didn't really take advantage I wasn't as focused on my acting as I could have mm. been because all I could think about was food and my weight it was massively and distracting you completely mm. and you know there's a there's a chapter in my first book that says dieting is a full-time job yeah and I can honestly say like my full-time job was supposed to be acting but I wasn't you know, really, my full-time job was dieting. Mm. So that's where all of my attention went. I find it really interesting when you think about how much women and men, we've spoken about it before Mm. this podcast, haven't we, that the amount of space that dieting and body image takes up in our heads. Think about what we could do with that brain power. Think about, you're right, we really turned our attention to things that mattered, like, you know, social issues, political issues. Like, perhaps we could actually get somewhere. Exactly, and that's actually a huge part of my second book because it's about, like, looking at what we're really hungry for and, you know, a lot of the time if we don't have a mission or a purpose in our life, then we fill that space with food and dieting and it becomes, like, the best and easiest distraction from our greater purpose in life, which is exactly what you said, like, actually here to showing up to serve and do stuff and share your gifts with the world. That's... I'm excited to read this book. Um, So... You said, uh, I kind of read an article online where you kind of said your biggest wake-up call was when your dad um, became really ill. Mm. And then his kind of subsequent passing was your kind of time to reevaluate where you were at. Was there like a particular moment that was a catalyst or was it like mm. a, a culmination of a few kind of months? And Yeah, so I, I would say that when he got ill, it was, it, that, cha- that changed my direction because... Um, he was given four months to live and he had pancreatic cancer that had spread to the liver. And I think then my obsession with food became an obsession with cancer prevention in form of oh, right. nutrition. Yeah. So then I started reading all this stuff about nutrition, um, read so much about plant-based living and veganism. And um, my dad, you know, had quite an unhealthy lifestyle. He didn't really take care of his body. And I basically then, um, you know, I felt powerless because he was literally on his deathbed and I felt like I was uncovering all this information about nutrition and cancer prevention. And I felt guilty because I felt like if I'd have learned this years ago, I could have maybe helped him and saved him. And I took on that guilt and I took on that responsibility and I decided, right, I'm going to train in nutrition I'm going to train to be a health coach and I'm going to start you know promoting this vegan message out and like you know what helping people it's so interesting that so many people that we've spoken to on this podcast have all kind of found this purpose through 
from, from a parent's it's, influence yeah, it in terms usually, of like it's been through a significant life event like yeah, that, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, that, that you're like, I need to change i need to do something about this mm. i learned all this stuff about nutritional science about veganism and i kind of went out into the mm. world you know preaching became a health coach started working with people but it's really important to remember that you know on reflection i can now see that i still had an eating disorder it just yeah. had been given a different face yeah. and i learned all this stuff about nutrition but it didn't make me love myself i still had a messed up relationship with food I was still binging, but I was binging on like tubs of almond butter and dates mm. and nuts and, you know. But that is still, <laughs> exactly, still binging. Exactly. But I, I didn't have the self-awareness when I was going through that to realise what I was doing. I just thought I'm becoming healthy and helping heal the world. Yeah. And, you know, this is the way it should With be. the best intentions, but just, yeah, just, just not quite. Missing the mark a yeah. little bit. I read an interesting article recently that, that likens these things to forms of self-harm when you push yourself so hard in different directions, even if they look mm. healthy. There are actually ways to kind of uh, rip a Band-Aid in some way or in, in kind of inflict pain upon yourself. Yeah, do you know, that's really interesting and I, I believe there's some truth in that. I also feel that, um, it might upset some people, but by way of, you know, this kind of going on this clean eating crusade, mm. whether that is veganism or whether it is just like really clean way of life, um, I, I do think there's something in it that it, it almost like makes us feel more pure. And it's a way yeah. to almost you feel like, quite righteous. To mask to something that. maybe so a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it can be. I think if we feel guilt or if we feel shame, it's a way to make us feel more pure mm. and more um, mm. clean and more, you know, gives yeah. us this almost, I don't want to say pedestal, but this kind of purity and this yeah, yeah. virtue. That you might feel like you're compensating for other parts of your life, maybe, or I don't know. It's, it's going to be just, individual for It's everyone, worth exploring it? and thinking about. <laughs> I definitely, that's all. no, I think, I think that's a really interesting point. So, your blog was at the time, was it called The Green Goddess? Yeah, it was called The Green Goddess. Life. Which is where this goddess, <laughs> this goddess <laughs> yeah. started. Exactly. So, the, the point of that was, you know, green because I was all about veganism plants, and yeah. plants and then goddess because I just noticed that I didn't think women felt like goddesses and I wanted mm. them to feel like goddesses and even though you would honestly say at the time you weren't sure whether you felt 100% goddess yet oh absolutely it was it was a journey that I was very much on I yeah. had the green nailed yeah <laughs> <laughs> the goddess I was like didn't really you know I wanted to explore it but it wasn't yeah. something that I was passionately able to speak about because I hadn't really gone through it you myself it yet. Yeah. who was inspiring you at that time to embark on your mm, goddess journey? that's a great question Chris Carr was a huge inspiration for me mm. she inspired me so much with her cancer journey she she was diagnosed with cancer and kind of healed herself through plant-based living mm. you know I really had her up uh, on this pedestal I just absolutely adored her and I still do um Kimberly Snyder it was really like kind of foodie vegan nutritionists mm. that mm. I was looking up to hadn't kind of got into the world of personal development yet hadn't really explored any other topics just food okay yeah and so when did you start to pursue this like you said, the self-development side, when did you want to work on that? Mm. What, who got you working on that? How did you go about it? My next kind of turning point was 20, was it 2013, 2014, when I, so I was married. I got married really young when mm -hmm. I was 21. And um, the... And this is why you're, is that why you're at Hollyoaks as well? It was straight after Hollyoaks. Right. I met him while I was at mm -hmm. Hollyoaks. Yeah, we we lived in Coventry and we had this house and um, yeah, we kind of were discussing having a family. I've always felt very maternal. I've always wanted to be a mum, but I kind of knew 
I guess I knew in the back of my mind that the relationship wasn't right. Mm. But I kind of thought maybe, you know, he's a, he would be a great dad. Like, we, we would have this family and... How old were you at that time? Still 20, 23. Which, in grand scheme of life, is a baby. <laughs> I know, yeah. exactly. But, yeah, it was us having these discussions about having a family. And I think we made this decision one time that we were going to start trying. I remember thinking to myself oh my God, if, if we're actually going to do this, I need to not be abusing my body. And it was that kind of, that I had this download of just, if I'm going to grow a baby in here, yeah, the way that I'm eating and the way that I'm, and I was taking fat burners, I was taking like ephedrine, I was taking laxatives, like I was So is extreme. this, wow. let's pause a second, just for the, the mental timeline going mm. on. So you've done Hollyoaks, mm-hmm. you've left. Yeah. Was this before Green Goddess? No, this was, so I had already started, I was really passionate about veganism, Mm. but behind that was, I was still bulimic. Right. So I was, I was kind of doing the recipes, taking photos of the food, but behind it, not what was really going on. Still Still binging, still purging. Okay. But trying to figure out what I was doing, basically. A bit of a mess, a bit of a blur. And you know what? You won't be the only one as well. Like, yeah. You won't be, but I think, thank goodness you've shared this. Yeah, yeah. this was like, yeah, I was like 22, 23. And um, it was was at the kind of stage where like blogging was quite new and sharing things online was quite new. And I guess I was trying to make sense of it all and also heal myself. So I kind of realised that what I was doing to my body by way of like binging and restricting and all the rest of the stuff... I thought, well, if I'm going to grow a human in here, I really need to not do this. Mm-hmm. I was still weighing myself every day, like, was still really hard on myself. And I realised that if I was going to be a mum, I wanted to be a good role model. And to actually grow a human means you have to take care of and nourish your body. Mm. And I kind of realised that in a lightning bolt and was just like... I, I guess what happened was suddenly I had a vision that was bigger than me and that was bigger than just my weight. It was mm-hmm. about motherhood and it was about the woman that, that I purpose, wanted to isn't become. It? it was that mm. purpose, exactly. And so the pain of staying where I was and doing what I was doing, the pain of staying there, and it had been seven years at that point, the pain of staying there and then entering into motherhood was greater than the pain that it would cause me to change. Mm. And I remember thinking, okay, I've been doing this for seven years nothing's worked I keep myself in the same cycle and I lie to myself and tell myself that if I just find the perfect diet or if I just find the perfect meal plan or maybe I'm having too much fruit or maybe my food combining is off or maybe you know I need to start counting this or that or you know no maybe I just need to try something completely different maybe I just need to completely let all of this go so scales went in the bin laxatives went in the bin I had to actually have um colonic hydrotherapy to repair the damage that I'd done to my colon I had to go to the dentist a lot because I was um I'd like been sick so much it had like damaged my teeth and I really went on this journey of like healing my body with love and so I thought I'm gonna chuck out every every little hint of diet culture Mm. got rid of any magazines stopped kind of engaging on different kind of platforms or forums I stopped posting pictures of food and I just said I'm just going to eat what I want when I want and if I gain weight I don't care because I'm gaining back my life and this is going to make me a better human a better mother and that's so strong because you really took control there because that people spend a whole lifetime doing that and I think 
Yeah. You clearly, you are like a very, once you set your mind to something kind of person. Then Yeah, and then what happened was I felt so empowered and so free that then I felt, I felt such a huge shift and such a huge weight off my shoulders that then I decided to share all of this with the with the very small <laughs> platform that I had mm. you know and I said this is the truth this is my journey and I was terrified of talking about my eating disorder because may like mainly because I thought Hollyoaks would be really angry at me because I thought they would think that I was blaming them yeah so I was I was so nervous to put this out on the internet I literally wrote the biggest blog post ever sent it out to everyone and just basically outed myself and it I felt like now it's out there I can never go back to that girl mm. um so yeah that's how this whole journey started so what kind of time frame is that okay let's think so this, yeah um where are we now 2018 so I think this was 2013 14 mm. yeah around that time I'm probably fast forwarding a little bit but the goddess revolution came out was that two years ago no. That was, it came out in 2016, yeah, I wrote yeah. that in 2015. Yeah. So yeah, before that, I had a couple of years of finding my feet with this and mm. kind of, uh, you know, understanding what it was that I wanted to share with people and I realised it was healing your relationship with food and basically ripping apart all of those kind of damaging beliefs that we have about mm. diet culture, about our bodies, about weight, about the scales, about, and even, you know, about different kind of food movements like like veganism and I I you know I've got a lot of friends that are vegan for for amazing beautiful reasons um I was not one of those vegans like mm. my reasons were were tainted I think but I basically realized that my message was really about helping women heal their relationship with food and their bodies and mm. just I started helping people go on the same journey that I had been and as I shared my story so many people reached out and were like oh my god me too I've yeah. been doing that too I didn't think I could share that. Oh my God, me too. And it's like, I got so many messages that um, I, f I felt so like, oh my God, this is what I'm here for. This is what I need to do. You found your purpose. Yeah. 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 Um, and so it brought you to write the book, The Goddess Revolution, which I know has helped so many people. What was that experience like? Was it cathartic getting to write everything down in one book? Yeah, it was amazing. It was, it felt, I, I don't, the whole experience of writing that book was just magic. Mm. Um, and I didn't really know where it was leading or, or if it would be a success. I just knew that there were women out there that needed to read it, even if that was just 10 of them. Yeah. I knew that people, there were some people that needed it. Mm. And I'm so grateful that it came out the way that it did because initially I wanted to create that book. I, originally the title was The Perfect Diet and I wanted the title to be The Perfect Diet you know and <laughs> but when and I also wanted it to have all these recipes in because I wasn't quite ready to let go of the plant-based recipes type yeah. thing and so when I pitched this book to Hay House they said we love the message but we think if you put recipes in it's just going to dilute your message mm. and it's going to end up in the kitchen rather than you know in someone's handbag and so they actually convinced me that it the message was powerful enough and they you know said also we're not feeling this title let's change the title which <laughs> turned out to be a good move I imagine but um and if you don't mind me asking so at that point like you said you were married before mm. um at that point were you guys together or were you was this no so we broke up in 20 I think I had that was it so essentially what happened was I was going on this journey of learning to love and accept myself and you're and evolving as a person. Evolving as a person. Mm. And I kind of realised the more I... 
I guess I started developing more of a sense of Mm self-worth. Whereas before, you know, living with that kind of an addiction and eating disorder, you lose a lot of confidence in yourself. Yeah. And I think I was gaining confidence and strength within within myself um, and gaining self-love. And it, it everything transforms when you do that. And you, see the you world transform as a person. Eyes, don't you? Exactly. Mm. And you start to kind of see what you've maybe been... Um, Almost a bit submissive to your surroundings in some ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. It, it does wake you up. Mm. And you, I, I don't know, he was amazing, but I kind of saw the relationship um, and I saw what I'd been tolerating was not good for mm. me mm. um and yeah and we, you're just growing um, i we think like, we were so young when we met yeah, I was say, <laughs> when you're like so 20 young. that's crazy yeah, yeah we I, got engaged really fast like yeah it was yeah well but end. it's it's all that's, worked out perfectly that's your 20s though it's down all worked to tears, out perfectly it? like exactly so we we broke up around the time that i had just started to write the book i think mm. um i don't think i'd got a book deal yet i was just like it was just an idea yeah mm. and how was that navigating? Because um, I'm sure there's going to be people listening to this episode who have probably been in that kind of long-term relationship where that was kind of like defining you and you were finally able to be yourself and yeah. be your own person and you had this plan for this book and like things have gone so well for you in the past couple of years. How have you navigated that yeah. initially on your own? Like, how was that? Yeah, it's been an interesting journey. I've, I'm a really big believer in pushing yourself out of your comfort zone mm. and facing your fears. So I've faced a lot of fears over the last few years. Um, and actually in this book that's about to come out, Hungry for More, I do tell a lot of stories from from that kind of time. And I mm. do talk about my, my divorce breakup because I think, you know, there are a lot of people that are too scared to leave long-term jobs or relationships because it's just so comfortable and what they yes. know. And, you know, I left a really lovely could have been such a you know comfortable lovely life Mm. I was just not myself in it and Mm. and that's what I want people to realize like if you're not able to be yourself in your relationship or you're not able to be fully yourself in your place of work like you can make that decision Mm. and and I want to really empower people to realize that they are creating their own reality and they can completely change their life if they decide to be courageous. I really want people to acknowledge their own power to be able to do that whenever they want. I absolutely love that. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think you have to do what's best for your mental health and your happiness. And I think you're a strong woman, so like fair play to you. Um, at this point, were you still in the UK? Yes. Because yes, more recently, UK. you've been living in Bali. Yes. How did that come about? <laughs> I've lived quite a colourful life, haven't you I? You have. <laughs> <laughs> For 28 years. This is actually like Mel Wells. This is your life. Yeah. <laughs> I know, thank you. Uh, we're really going in, aren't we here? Yeah, so I started doing another one of my dreams after my book was to run retreats. You know, I don't hang about when I've got a when I've got a big kind of dream, I'm not the person that kind of lets it sit on the shelf for a while. <laughs> I'm finding you very inspiring. Keep going. I'm, I'm like, yes. Yeah. I agree so. with you. Keep going. <laughs> so, yeah, one of my dreams was like, oh, my gosh, how amazing would it be to hold a retreat for women that wasn't, you know, one of these kind of yoga inducing retreats. It wasn't was, a, a boot camp. Yeah, thing, like exactly. Detox. I was like, what if I could hold a retreat for women that helped them with this stuff like healing mm. their stuff with food healing their stuff with body image like a self-love retreat and um, the first retreat that I did was in Turkey and then after that the seed was planted to do one in Bali and I just always dreamed of going to this beautiful island called Bali mm. and um, yeah a strange coincidence 
occurred whereby I found myself at this kind of um, one of these art exhibition type things with like um, more like a fair in a field. <laughs> and there was like horses and there was like little stands and all this kind of stuff. In Bali? No, in listening. Uh, okay. I can't okay, remember I like, why I was there. Really trying to picture this. Yeah. No, sorry. That's not my no, storytelling right. congruency. I found myself at this fair and um, I can't remember why I was there, but it was the most random experience. And I saw this stand and there was all these like Buddha pieces of art like like plaques of like buddha heads and i saw one that really stood out to me and i was like oh my god i need that buddha for my new flat in london because i just moved to london on my own divorce like ready to grab life Tackle the world exactly and i was like i need this buddha this kind of older man kind of really cockney larger than life comes over and starts selling me this piece of art and he says this is from bali and i was like no and he goes, yeah, it's from Bali. And then he goes on to tell me that he lives in Bali with his wife and children. And I was like, no way. Um, and obviously now, like, Bali is very well <laughs> trendy known, yeah. and well heard of. But um, This is before it was cool. This is, I, well, yeah, <laughs> just been there, got the T-shirt, you know. But, um, You're but yeah, it kind now. of was. I basically then was like, oh my God, I've always dreamed of going to Bali and running a retreat. And I said, I've just started doing retreats. This is me. This is what I do, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, well, I've got six villas in Bali if you want to use one of them for a retreat. And I was like, shut the front door. So literally four days later, booked a ticket, went off and stayed with George and his family in Bali and um, started planning the first retreat. So yeah, the reason that I moved to Bali was I started doing retreats there, was doing them twice a year, So I did my first one in Turkey and then I did two in Bali and then I loved it so much that and I saw so many experts living there working online and I was so fascinated by the whole digital nomad thing. Mm. I was like, I could be a digital nomad (laughs) and I will. And basically just decided... Mel Wells made her mind up. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It happened. I was just, yeah. So I thought, well, I'm going to move out and see, see how I do. So I did 18 months out there and it was amazing. Yeah, it just seems like you said it's that barefoot... Floaty dress life. Shout out to George as well. Yes. Shout out to George. He's in my book. Still in touch with George. Oh, yes, very much. He's coming to my book launch. Oh, that's so lovely. (laughs) Yeah, he's like become like a Bali uncle to me. Oh, that's so, Uh, that's um, so, so great. But yeah, it was an amazing experience. And I definitely think, you know, if you have the capacity to to work online and earn money through your laptop, then I definitely Mm. think you should make the most of that and travel. How has the digital nomad life been for you? Have have you enjoyed it? Has it been challenging? I love the kind of nomadic kind of lifestyle, but I'm here now in London, like building a little home Mm. and it definitely feels good to be here doing this now. Mm. But that chapter was incredible. Do you know what, right? Coming from a background of, you know, eating disorder, which was like really about control and um, regimes and rituals and structure and, you know, all of this... It's like traveling by myself felt like such a huge hurdle to overcome mm. because you're out of your routine, you've not got the gym, you've not got your food prep. Like All the things where... you fall back on. Exactly. Yeah. And so, like, for me, it, traveling alone became just such a spiritual yeah, experience and practice for me because it taught me so much about myself and it just kept pushing me out of my comfort zone. Every time I thought... I was comfortable, I would be not be comfortable again. Mm. Um, and yeah. while you're in Bali, is that when you discovered more of your spiritual side? Mm, no, it was it was prior to that, but yeah, I would say... 
Do you think it I, manifested honest, itself more in Bali? Yeah, I would, I would honestly say I became more in tune with, with my spirituality. Firstly, when my dad passed, mm. because I realised that my relationship with him grew stronger as a result of it mm. over the years since he's passed. I've felt his presence and I have felt connected to him mm. and you know just little nuances and things that you kind of weren't like I wasn't aware mm. of before when I realized that I was able to heal an eating disorder pretty much in a in a moment of a change of decision and a change of perspective I had to completely surrender Mm. I had to completely surrender all of my illusions of control, all of my past belief systems about food and my body. And I literally felt like I was shedding an old layer and letting an old version of me die. And I had to completely surrender into this kind of, didn't know what was going to happen next. I mm. thought I might die. Like, wow. I've been so attached to this addiction. Yeah. That I didn't know who I was without it. So I would say that that, that whole... Um, that whole journey of surrendering and mm. and just having no choice but to trust in doing that and being able to surrender and trust my body that helped me then also surrender and trust my path which you know made me more of a spiritual person because i had to keep just trusting and would you say that that kind of journey's influenced hungry for more the, the new book that's mm. kind of we kind of spoke a little bit earlier that that's kind of where this book's a bit more headed would you say yeah yeah I would say so it's about everything we've talked about it's about breaking free from societal norms it's mm. about pursuing life fulfillment and it's about kind of exploring what your you know cravings and addictive behaviors around food could actually be pointing you to to do something bigger with your life mm. so yeah it is it's quite a spiritual book I but I say. think that's all really positive. It's like channeling mm. that energy in a more positive way. Mm. I think that's really, really exciting. And you are back in London now. Yeah. So yeah, with with the digital nomad thing, like I loved it, but now I'm like, I feel like I've I've done it, and mm. now I'm like, no, I'm ready to build a home and build a life and in the Western world. I'm saying you're pursuing <laughs> acting again. Yeah. How is that? Is that once again? That's getting yourself back out your comfort zone again, isn't it? I know. I'm all about it, babe. You are. <laughs> I'm all about it. You know, it was weird when when I went and did my TED talk. I had dinner with Rick, who's my boyfriend, and he's just incredible and such a huge support for me. But we went out for dinner, and and he one of the things you know that I was working on with this talk was not getting on stage and performing mm. because as a previous you know performer you want to naturally kind of get on stage and go bigger and my kind of my coach for ted was basically like just strip it back strip it back <laughs> pull it rein it in Mel. Mm. you know less of the you know and anyway i was talking to rick at dinner about it in in switzerland and he was like um but you are a performer it's who you are and i was like no no like my job is to help women with their stuff with food that's my thing. I'm not an actress anymore. You know, those days are gone. That's not who I am. And he just kept pushing. <laughs> and he said something that just made me just break down. He said, well, what would you be doing with your life if you hadn't had an eating disorder? Yeah. And I was like, well, I'd still be an actress. I, that's what I would be doing because yeah. that's what I was doing, like, from two years old. Like, that mm. was my thing. And he was like, do you not think that now you've healed and gone on this journey and helped people, do you not think you could bring a little bit back of it into your life even if you just do it for you and I just was just a mess and just it brought up so much emotion mm. in my body and I felt like I then 
began to kind of relive all these traumas of the industry and the competitiveness, yeah. the rejection, parts of it just being so shallow. And I felt all this kind of pain just like course through my body when I, and I was just crying and crying. And I remember kind of thinking, wow, if this can stir up such emotion in me, then it's obviously something that I need to look at yeah. and heal. And yeah, this is this kind of sent me on this journey of, okay, if, if I'm so scared of going back into this industry, I'm going to do it because I want to face my fears. And, you know, I thought, well, I'm going to share this with my audience and I'm going to take them on the journey with me. I'm really loving it so much um, because it's still such a big part of who I am. Yeah. And also it's, you know, it, I am doing this for me. But it's also, I'm noticing with my girls that I work with in my programs, it's inspiring them to kind of revisit their childhood loves. Because I think when you experience something like an eating disorder or an obsession with food or fitness, mm. it can often deter you onto a different path. And then kind of that becomes your path then. Mm. But it's like, if you have healed all of that, why can't you go back and reclaim those dreams of yours? It's so fascinating. I'm really excited about where this is headed for you. I think keep sharing. Um, we want to keep following. Now, we're going to finish this with our kind of little quick fire questions for you. But they're more statements that you complete. They're not really questions, are they? <laughs> so first up, the biggest misconception about me is... Oh, my gosh. Um, the biggest misconception about me is... It's more about my message. Yeah. I think some people think that quitting dieting means stopping taking care of yourself mm. and that's not how I view it at all it's actually the opposite so I'd say that's a big misconception about what this message is about that's really interesting I think that um it's changing the mindset and your approach mm. to your what you're doing as well it's understanding that when you do things from a place of love you do them a bit differently but it's all good like for example to do regular exercise and to mm and nourish your body with food that's going to make you feel really good mm. those kind of things so fully with you on that one if there is one thing I can use my platform to change it would be to help women and men love and accept themselves and prioritise their growth love it right <laughs> and finally this will be interesting for you because I reckon this will change at least once a year my ultimate goal is to <laughs> Um, my ultimate goal is to reclaim my dream of acting. Right now. <laughs> yeah, right now. <laughs> right now. No, I know, that's so exciting. Yeah. Um, and who knows where you're headed? Because I feel like you are... I really admire and respect how you take life by the balls. And <laughs> go, you just go and do it. And, like, if you want to do it, you go and do it. So, I'm like I said, Thank you. good luck with the acting. Good luck with the second book. Where can everyone find you, by the way? I usually hang out on Instagram way too much, more than I should, <laughs> at I am Mel Wells. Amazing. And uh, yeah, guys, go and check Mel out. She is fantastic. Thank you so much for coming oh, in today. Thank you, Mel. Thank you so much for having me. Thank Our you. pleasure. And do let us know what you thought of this episode. Like I said before, tell us your feedback and who you want us to have on next on at way underscore box and at Tally Rye. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, it's Ben from Waybox. Thank you for listening. If you have any feedback, please let us know at Waybox or at Tally Ride.